0: Welcome to Faith Informed, an Engage International podcast where we seek to clarify truth claims, challenge prevailing ideologies, and commend the faith. In this episode, we will continue our conversation with Greg Kokel on how to effectively engage in conversations about God and how to respond to questions and provocations with poise and conviction. In part one, We looked at the importance of asking questions when engaging with non-Christians and how Jesus so masterfully models this in the Gospels. In this episode, we will look at a few tactics to help identify flaws in the claims and arguments people make. So let's pick up where we left off. Now, um, the second half of your book is on how to spot flaws. And you give several tactics to help identify them in arguments. For sake of time, let me pick one. Um, the flaw right. I want you to help us identify is what you call suicide. Right. So tell us what this is and how we can spot okay. it.
1: Yeah. Suicide um, is is a, a tactic that can be used to... Um, uh, to demonstrate that somebody's view is self refuting or self destructive. Mm. For example, if I said, I can't speak a word of English, not a single word. Mm. And you're thinking, what was that that I just heard? Or if I said, there are no sentences in English that are longer than three words. Well, wait, that was a sentence in English that was longer than three words. Mm. Okay. Those are very obvious examples of self refuting statements okay mm. or in my vernacular they turn they commit suicide mm. all right now there are all kinds of things that are like that when people say there is no truth mm. for example well that they think that that's a true statement mm. <laughs> so there must be a truth then uh and they're falsified at that point and our job is in recognizing it just trying to uh we recognize it then we try to point it out to the to the pre- people, and, and in the tactics book, I go into more detail. In other, more uh, sophisticated ways, people have uh, are having self refuting points of view. Uh, I'll give you two very quickly here, mm. for the sake of time. One of them is when a person says, um, um, "I used to be a Christian, but now I believe in science." Mm. What do you mean? Well, you know, science is the thing that gives you truth about the world. That's the only thing you can rely mm. on. All right. Now, there's a very common statement a point of view. Michael Shermer, this is his view. Mm. And uh, uh, But the problem is, is the statement, science is the only thing that can give you truth about the world. The atheist, in this case, thinks is a true statement. Mm. So they, they consider this a true statement, but it is not a true statement that they gathered from science. Mm. So, so the claim can't fulfill its own demand, so to speak. Mm. Well, what scientific evidence do you have to prove that science is the only way you can know anything about Mm. the world. Okay. So there's another example of self-refuting. One it's of the a most statement common...
0: statement about w- science, not a statement of science, right? There you know.
1: go. Perfectly. Exactly. And it turns out we know all kinds of things mm-hmm. uh, apart from science. And in fact, if you don't know what... I call it the knowledge box. Mm. You know, it, here's, the, here's the box of things that we know. Mm. Okay. We can know some things by science. Okay. But there's got to be some things in the box mm. before science can even start working. Mm. We have to know some things about the world through our five senses. We gotta be, that has to be reliable before we can start, you know, figuring things out with science. For example, uh, math has to be true, you mm-hmm. know, and, and other things like that. Uh, once a student said this at a university, he made this claim and I said, do you know what you're thinking right now? And he said, of course I do, which is true. Mm-hmm. I said, how do you know that? Do you know mm-hmm. that because some scientist told you what you're thinking? Mm-hmm. Or you, any of your five senses? deliver that to you no Mm. you know it through a different means Mm. and you know your own training over tell but there's Mm. there are different uh different ways we know things and these are commonsensical things sometimes we know by authority sometimes we know by memory know by direct uh experience or by intuition sometimes by our five senses Mm. all right so that's a self refuting notion um here's another one much more common though um i was talking to a young man about uh, some moral issue and I mean, well, he actually he was a physical therapist and uh he was you know working on me and we had a conversation on things and he he said you know christians are nice people but pretty soon they start getting judgmental mm. okay common complaint and uh and i said now i, I realized he'd made a mistake mm. and so i was going to you know draw him out a little bit more so i said what's wrong with that mm. and he said well it's wrong to judge and I said, well, if it's wrong to judge, then why are you judging Christians right now? Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is what's called a practical suicide. Mm. Uh, the, the statement, it's wrong to judge, isn't self-refuting in a formal sense in itself. But when it's put into practice, you realize people are doing the very thing they're yeah. telling you not to do. And uh, and th- this, happens, this happens all the time. And so uh, um, once people see, by the way... That, that, that some of these elements that are self refuting, like the one I just suggested, and I do this for an audience. I, that conversation went on longer, but uh, I give a little more information. I remember the first time listening to JP Moreland, where where that point was made, and it just dawned on me, "Oh my goodness!" And uh, and then I never forgot it. Mm. I'm taking notes like crazy because I knew I could take this to the bank. Mm. But I didn't need to take notes. It was so obvious. And there are multitudes of times when people say you ought not be doing something that they are in the process of doing this, doing, when they're telling you not to do it. Mm. And that's when you can scratch your head, kind of Columbo, like, I don't know, there's something about this thing that bothers me. (laughs) Well, well, Wasn't that a judgment you just made? Or if you said you think it's wrong to push your morality on other people? Mm. Yes. Is that your moral view? Yes. Then why are you pushing it on me right now? Hmm. So all you're asking them for is consistency at this point. Hmm. But uh, that's the suicide tactic. And there, uh, in the book, I give lots of other examples about that. There are different iterations of it, you know? Hmm. Uh, yet um, I think that when, when um, atheists complain about the problem of evil, um, they are actually, their view commits suicide. And it's a little more sophisticated. I do explain that in the book, too, because atheists, given the atheist worldview, there's no standard by which you can measure good and evil, mm. not objective good and evil. Mm. And so that becomes a problem, too. So there's a little window of insight into the suicide tactic, which is one of many that are in the, uh, the tactics book itself. Mm-hmm.
0: I remember speaking at a university several years ago, and uh, during the Q&A, a student got up and said, we can't know anything. I said, Mm -hmm. aren't you claiming to know something when (laughs) you say we can't know anything? There you go. The audience just burst into laughter. (laughs) Uh 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 So I think this is another example of suicide. Uh,
1: Yes, right. So if you
0: listen carefully, we can spot inherent contradictions Mm -hmm. in people's views. Um, Often they don't see it because they don't really think through their views, right? That's right. Uh, uh, And... uh, Now, uh, the next tactic uh, you cover in your book is sibling rivalry. Um, Mm -hmm. I I, I think this is also important. I I did mention, probably we'll take a look at one, but I just want you to tell us what sibling rivalry is and how it might be used as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is where um, – this is a type of suicide. So this is a species of suicide, Mm. of of a destructive argument, a self-destructive argument. And that's when a person raises uh, two separate objections, which can't be held together. Mm. They can't be held at the same time. They compete with each other, siblings in rivalry, so to speak. Mm. So I remember a conversation with uh, uh, a waitress. I, I guess I've had a number of those over the years. And uh, and she was raising the issue about morality. She was arguing that morals are relative. You shouldn't be judging other people. You shouldn't be saying other people are doing wrong things or whatever. So she kind of established her position at that. And as we moved through the conversation, then she started raising the issue of the problem of evil. Hmm. How can there be so much evil in the world? Now, notice the way that is often characterized, and I just did it. How can there be so much evil in the world? The complaint about evil is a complaint about things that are bad in themselves Mm. that happen that shouldn't happen, Mm. that is out there in the world. Mm. It is not a complaint about something I don't like. Mm. That would be the relativist's view. Well, I don't like that, but I can't say it's wrong. It's just wrong for me. Mm. It may not be wrong for other people. That's the relativism, right? Mm. But when they complain about evil, they are identifying things that are really wrong for everybody Mm. because morality is objective. Let me back up and put it this way: If morality is not objective, there is no problem of evil, mm. because the problem of evil just is the claim that people do things that are actually wrong, mm. not just things that I wouldn't do or I don't like or don't fit with my personal, private, subjective, relativistic morality. Mm. Right? So I, I, I. So here is this same woman. On the one hand, is she's. Arguing for relativism, and then she raises an objection against Christianity that depends on moral, m- morals to be objective, not relative. Hmm. So, what's it going to be? Is it going to be relativism? Then there's no problem of evil. Hmm. If there is a problem of evil, and I think there is, and everybody knows that, then relativism must be false. So you have to, you, you, you know, you got to pick your poison here, hmm. but you can't have them both. This is the point that I'm trying to make to the person. I remember there was a movie I watched, uh, I not watched, but a, a film that came out in for the premiere release. I was asked to participate in a conversation because it was a, it was an independent film that had moral consequences arguing about the, or talking about the, the genocide during um, World War II and, uh, in the Holocaust. Hmm. And, um, uh, I, I'm trying to remember, on the one hand in the audience, there were, people were talking about, about, uh, where was God during the Holocaust? Okay. And then somebody else mentioned something, uh, uh, another person in, in the discussion as we were fielding these questions about when God, if you talk about God being judgmental, then God's, that's not a very loving God. Hmm. Okay now this was the audience it wasn't an individual but I took the opportunity to point this out mm. you know that either you you uh you demand of God that he act towards evil
2: mm.
1: or you demand of God that he be loving and not act towards evil mm. but you can't make both complaints at the same time mm. those are siblings in rivalry mm. So there are other examples of that in the tactics book, but uh, that will give people a little sense of how that works.
0: Thanks, Greg. That's that's helpful.
1: Um, my
0: final question for our All podcast right. today is uh, I, I, I love that we are recording this podcast a few weeks before Christmas uh, because inevitably we'll make uh, or we'll have many opportunities for gospel-focused conversations with family mm-hmm. and friends as we gather and celebrate the season. So some who are listening may not have engaged others in such intentional conversations before Mm -hmm. and may be apprehensive about starting. Do you have any words of encouragement for those who want to navigate such conversations but are hesitant to do so?
1: well i i think my encouragement would be to step out and have those conversations but do so gently with questions that are relevant to the season mm. all right and um I'm right off the top of my head. Now I'm just thinking. Now what, what would I say? And it might be something like, uh, "Well, here's the observation that grounds the question, and that is, this is an unusual celebration. Mm. It's the celebration of a birth of someone, mm. and it's the celebration of the birth of someone who is, or the founder, so to speak, of a of one of the world's greatest religions. Okay, what other religious leader? do they celebrate his birth? Mm. Why are we all celebrating this? Because this person was born. So what does that tell you about this person? Does it tell you anything? Well, first it seems like it tells you he's a real person of history, mm. because mythical characters do not have this kind of impact, mm. for one. And wh- why 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 are they celebrating this? Well, Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. This is God come down. This is God humbling himself. Mm. Uh, and of course, this is captured in a lot of uh Christmas cards. And I've characteristically, probably around the end of November, in my own radio show, I tell people, please, everybody expects you to say something about Jesus when you send a Christmas card. So don't say happy holidays. Say something with yeah. spiritual substance, mm. you know, and, uh, uh and they, they're not going to be offended. This mm. is what they expect to see mm. and, and, and to hear. So say something of substance. And this whole idea of God coming down, you know, is a, is a big part of that. So I would, I would, I would draw, try to draw people out and, um uh, and, and point out the impact that he's had. We mentioned J. Warner Wallace's name, I think earlier and, um, Jim wrote a book called uh, Not Only Cold Case Christianity, but also uh, uh, A Person of Interest. Mm. And his point in that book is to, sh- it's magnificent, really, to show there is not anywhere you can turn in the world mm. and not see Jesus represented, mm. whether it's in history, whether it's in medicine, whether it's in literature, whether it's in art, whether it's in music, whether it's in architecture everywhere you turn mm. and even for every religion mm. has 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 tried to bring Jesus into it even hinduism you know mm-hmm. jesus they want him they want jesus on their team mm. you know and uh so th- this is why how is it there can be such a, of this impact to this one individual mm-hmm. and he puts the crime scenes he works those in as illustrations for the point, but the point is just straightforward. And this is something that could be asked, you know, why? Hmm. Especially of skeptics, why? Why is this season what it is? And, and by the way, this is another, this might sound a little paranoid to non Christians, but why is there such a strong effort to unmake Christmas? Hmm. And just make it into winter holiday and happy holidays and all that. You Mm -hmm. know, I think, you know, from a spiritual perspective, I think there's a design here, Mm -hmm. but I think this is probably the one of the best times of the year to be able to focus in on why are we doing what we're doing? It has to do with a man who had an unbelievable impact Mm -hmm. for good. Mm -hmm. Now, Christians didn't always do good, but this guy and the Christians who followed him, Mm -hmm. who obey him did magnificent good mm. and have been doing so for 2,000 years. Mm. So there's something to celebrate. Maybe that would be a, an angle that could be pursued. Yeah,
0: That's helpful. Thanks so much, Greg. Really enjoyed having you on the podcast today. Hope uh, we Thank can do so. more in the future.
1: Yes, uh, sir. Yeah, I'm at your service.
0: Let me encourage our listeners once more to put into practice the tactics we have learned today and to get a copy of Greg's book, Tactics. If you enjoyed today's episode of Faith Informed, please like, share, and subscribe. If you're listening on any podcast platforms, please leave a review. I look forward to seeing you next time right here on Faith Informed.